So I'd like you to keep that in mind, that acronym, JOY, Jesus, Others, Yourself. JOY, Jesus, Others, Yourself. Your opinion, please. And you don't have to answer out loud. What's your opinion? Should Christians go to taverns with non-Christians? What do you think? Should they go into a bar with non-Christians? Should a pastor go to Las Vegas for vacation? You think about that one. Well, you know what they say, what happens in Vegas, what? Stays in Vegas. I saw a t-shirt somebody wore and it said, what happens in Vegas happens here. Should a pastor go to Las Vegas for vacation? Or can a church or a school have a large fundraiser at the hotel of a large gambling boat? You know, there's gambling boats in the lake and rivers. There's a huge hotel and usually a large area and reasonable price. Should the church or school have a fundraiser there, maybe an auction or a meal? Well, it's an open space, but it's a hotel attached to a large gambling boat. What's your opinion? Should a pastor eat with Islamic students after sunset observing Ramadan? Ramadan is a month in which Muslims will fast during the day and eat in the evening. And should a pastor, if invited, go eat with Muslim students after sunset? What do you think? Should a pastor do that? What do you think of a Christian vacation entering into a Mayan pagan temple with a tour group? You know, where they worship false gods? Go in there and watch a ceremony? Should a pastor do that? And finally, should Christians purchase and eat meat sacrificed to idols? Now, as comfortable as, as this is, for all these, I've been involved with in one way or another. <gasps> should I have done that? Should we be involved with that? What do you think? I see some people smiling. I don't see any angry faces. Okay, that's all right. Okay. What do you think? What we know for sure is we know for sure that idols are gods not found in Scripture. Where an idol is something that I worship above and beyond God, all sorts of idols. That thing to which I trust is an idol. Um, St. Paul says that uh, idols are nothing more than figments of imaginations. They really don't exist. They only exist in the mind of the person who believes in them. They are nothing. St. Paul says this. What else do we know? Well, we know that we're called to primary allegiance to the one greater than Moses. If you heard the Old Testament reading, you and I were called to allegiance to the one greater than Moses is Jesus Christ. And also the Gospel says Jesus is the only true and living Lord. So what do we know for sure? Idols are nothing. There's only but one God. What else do we know for sure? Well, we also know that we as Christians have freedoms. We're forgiven. We're redeemed. When I go watch a ball game and have a beer, there's nothing against that. Matter of fact, there really is no rule against going into the tavern. We as Christians, we forgiven, redeemed, believing Christians, we have freedoms. Freedom to live this life. And we also know we as Christians are called to love as Christ loved us. So, no idols. There's only one God. We have freedoms and to love one another. So riddle me this. So I ask this question. But you need to come back with me 2,000 years into uh, Corinth. And Corinth was sort of a booming business city. And meat was very rare. Uh, people only ate meat rare, uh, maybe monthly, yearly. It was a delicacy. Uh, my previous church was involved in a mission with Uganda. And in Uganda, uh, when, we, when, when our missionaries would go there, that was part of their diet. But if you lived in Uganda, chances are you were blessed to eat meat maybe once a month 
Um, maybe only a few people ate meat once a year. I was in Costco yesterday, coming back from seeing my dad, and uh, they had free samples, meat samples, free samples. Now, so riddle me this. In the pagan city of Corinth, uh, there weren't these little restaurants, but there was one restaurant, huge restaurant, that offered meat. And it was surrounded in that, in that restaurant were all sorts of pagan gods, and the meat then was cooked, given to the honor of idols. And, and that was really the only place you could go if you want to have a nice meal or associate with others. So, so imagine this. Well, my niece is getting married, and she's having an engagement party with her family. It's going to be hell at that restaurant. Or, or maybe I'm, I'm supposed to meet a, a business partner there for lunch. Or maybe my brother's having his 50th birthday party there at that restaurant I have to go eat. Or maybe the company I work for uh, is having a party there or they're having a meeting there, and that's where we're supposed to go eat. Could a Christian go into that nice Corinth restaurant surrounded by idols with their meat cooked to idols with a clear and clean conscience? Riddle me that. Is that something a Christian should be able to do? Well, let me give you some more information. So once again, uh, uh, first century city of Corinth, like our 21st century, uh, doubts about God many different religions. And can Christians there accept friendships, accept invitations, build business transactions, light a rare, delicate meal with meat at temples and meat, drink, offered to idols? What do you think? Well, let me give you some more background on that. Um, well, first of all, the first answer is we as Christians have freedoms. Can you read that verse with me? For freedom, Christ has set me free. Now, we know that idols are nothing. Idols don't exist. They exist in the minds of, uh, of, of, of unbelievers. It's nothing. But we have freedoms. There's nothing wrong, no offense, there's really nothing sinful about me going to Vegas. Now, we'll get to that later, if I'm not indulging in sin. There's nothing sinful for me if I want to go see the Browns play and have a beer at the stadium. There's nothing sinful even for you to enter into a tavern with a non-believing friend and have a beer or two. We have freedoms. And then what else do we know? Well, we also know that um, we are called to witness and to love each other as Christ has loved us. Wherever we go, we're called to love one another, to be as Christ is to others. And what else do we know? Well, what are we as Christians to do? Well, hmm, going to that restaurant filled with idols and that meat. Well, what are we called to do? We're, we can enjoy Christian freedom. If, if my niece is getting married and uh, wants to have a celebration at that restaurant, there's no, really nothing wrong with it. And however, this, we're decipher between being among idols and flirting with idols and being influenced with idols. So let me give you some background on that. If you don't know me, I was at DCE before I became a pastor. And once in a while, teenagers and high schoolers would come to me and say, Kurt, I'm hanging out with these three friends, but they're known as troublemakers. Should I hang out with them and go out with them? Then ask this question. Do you behave like them when you go out and get in trouble? Or do they behave like you and they're pretty cool, and they don't get in trouble. Because if you go out with them and get in trouble, and guess what my answer is going to be? No. If they go out with you and they don't get in trouble, then please continue to do so. It's all who's influencing who. And by the way, when I was in that Mayan pagan temple, I asked God to protect me. Matter of fact, I asked God to shut my ears to anything said to a pagan god. 
So there's nothing wrong with being around idols as long as they're not being influenced by that. And so Jesus received criticism. Jesus, how could you sit with the publicans and the tax collectors and the prostitutes and Browns fans and Steelers fans and Lions fans and Republicans and Democrats? How can you sit with them? He's not being influenced by them. He's the influencer. So we know for sure we can enjoy Christian freedom and be aware that just because I'm around pagans and idols doesn't mean they're going to influence me. What else do we know for sure? Well, um, be aware and sensitive of offending weaker Christians. Now, when I say weaker Christians, I'm not talking about those who are immature. I'm not talking about those who don't have a lot of knowledge. I'm talking about Christians who are very sensitive. Now, I'm not talking about snowflakes. No offense. I got offended. I need a safe space in coloring books. I'm not talking about that. People who are sensitive because what I do might offend them and might endanger their souls. So we know those two. We all know those three things. So friends in Christ, no matter what I do, I need to ask myself, is this in the parameter of my Christian freedom? Am I being influenced by the evil around me? And might there be somebody offended by me by doing this? And finally, uh, don't build up the mind, but build up love. Am I loving my neighbor? So what does this look like? Okay, what does this look like? To enjoy Christian freedom, to not offend my, my neighbor, a weaker brother or sister, and what does it mean um, to love and build up? Well, in 2013, I was pastor at St. Peter's Lutheran Church in East Peoria, Illinois, and violent storms were supposed to come through about 4, but instead they came through at about 10.30. So we moved our 10.45 worship service from the sanctuary into the basement because a lot of people were there and we knew storms were coming through. And then after service, we heard that an F4 tornado came through our area. Damaged homes in East Peoria and the surrounding areas, but really it was Washington, Illinois, and it's been on the national news. Uh, five of our members lost their homes. 140 people in Washington totally lost their homes. Two people died. Businesses ruined. Uh, if you've ever been through a tornado area, have you? If you've ever been through a tornado area, they all look the same. Everything is gone and missing. We had a Missouri Synod church right by where all the disaster was, and so I was there that week. You, you, can't, you don't know anything. It's all, it all looks the same. You, it didn't look any different than Oklahoma City or Joplin, Missouri, or any other tornado area. Everything is devastated and, and, and was gone. Matter of fact, about a month afterwards, I drove through the neighborhoods because he began cleanup, and this is on either side of the road when I was driving, because the road was clear, there's like 20 feet of debris. Old car parts, car grills, kids' toys, mattresses. I, I felt like I was in World War II, Europe. So the tornado went through a Sunday in November in Washington, Illinois. 140 homes destroyed, businesses ruined, no school, all sorts of people bringing relief aid. And however, that Saturday, this is what happened. The Washington Panthers high school team, the Washington Panthers high school team, played Springfield Sacred Heart Catholic Cyclones. Division five football playoff game. True. And the game was going to be played at the Cyclone Stadium after a tornado went through Washington. So what did Springfield Sacred Heart Catholic Cyclones do? You know what they did? They went to their stadium and they covered up all the, all the cyclone signs and all the cyclone symbols. And they refused to call themselves the Cyclones during the playoff game. Matter of fact, they peeled off the Cyclone symbols from their helmets. Didn't list in any publications. They sent four busloads of water up to Washington. Why? To them, it would be offensive 
to say, come have fun with us. We're the cyclones while your community has been devastated by tornadoes. There's homeless people and funerals going on. Love my neighbor. Joy. Jesus. Others. Yourself. We're not going to do it because it would be offensive. Yeah, it's true, it's football, but we don't need to be the cyclones today. Matter of fact, we can all be panthers today. Joy. Jesus. Other yourself. And then there's Boaz and Ruth. And Ruth was a widower, and she was uh, in really in a hurting, bad way. So what did Boaz do? Boaz allowed Ruth to freely glean her fields. Does anybody know what gleaming is? When I was in Germany, my uncle owned a potato farm, and he just harvested like 100 acres. And I remember I rode my bike out to his farm, and people would stop by at bags, and they'd pick up little potatoes. They'd, they'd glean the fields, and my uncle didn't mind that. Boaz allowed Ruth to come and gleam her fields. He could have charged her. My uncle could have charged people so many pounds, so many um, dollars, but he didn't. He gave up his rights that she might be fed. The 54th Massachusetts was the first African-American regiment in the Civil War, raised by Abraham Lincoln, whose goal was to have 180,000 African-American soldiers, many who were former slaves, to fight for their freedom and in bondage and the treachery of discrimination. Now, it's replayed in the movie Glory, but it's time for them to get paid. The United States paid those who served in the Civil War $13 a month. A lot of money. However, according to the United States government, white soldiers received $13 a month. African Americans received $10 a month. And so the African American soldiers protested. So the white officers, led by Colonel Robert Gould Shaw, said, if you refuse pay, so will we refuse pay. It's unright. It's not fair for us to receive more pay than you because both of us will lay down our life. And they protested to Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln made sure that was changed. Joy, Jesus, others, yourself. What does it look like? And so we come to St. Peter. Legend had it that St. Peter died how? And so Peter was in Rome when Christians were being persecuted and killed in the Colosseum. And the Christians made sure that Peter, being the leader of the church, made it out safely. And Peter probably walked a mile or two and he thought, you know what? My brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering and here I'm walking away in safety to eat. And so Peter willingly went back in to be a model, to be a witness. Now, Jesus said this when he reinstated Peter. Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, love my sheep, love my lambs. Then Jesus said to Peter, one day somebody will lead you where you don't want to go and have something done you don't want to have done. And legend has that Peter was crucified. How? Say it. Upside down. Jesus, others, yourself. And so friends in Christ, what are we to do in those delicate situations about going to taverns or going to Vegas or fundraisers at gambling boats or eating food to idols and restaurants, what are we to do? Well, we saw some examples there. Can you all read it with me? Oh, wait, hold on. This, this, okay, just jump it for me, sorry. Go, thanks. The Christian. But pastor, I have an alcoholic problem. And I've been in AA for 25 years. If me drinking alcohol is offensive to you, it is my joy and privilege no longer to do so. If offending someone who goes into taverns, gets in fights, and can't handle themselves, 
then I'll love. I don't need to go into a tavern. It's not that important. And by the way, if having that fundraiser at that gambling boat offends some believers, we can do it elsewhere. And by the way, if going to Vegas might cause people who have gambling addictions and problems, I don't need to go to Vegas. There's a lot more to do in Vegas than just gambling, but if it's going to offend somebody. And by the way, if your community was just devastated by a tornado, I'll gladly ignore my cyclone mascot name. And by the way, I don't need to do that if it offends you out of love for you because I don't want to harm your soul. The Christian within the context of the church is not one who asserts their rights, but what? Gives them up for others. Gives them up for others. Can you read this with me? So Jesus, being God, denied those rights and died on the cross, gave up those rights and died for each and all of us sinners that we might have eternal life. And yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom we live, and there is one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things came and through whom we live. And so out of Christian love, out of the grace and love Christ gave to me, we can say what? Joy. Jesus who? Jesus, others, and myself. That's right, by God's grace. So how about this? For a closing thought, okay, a Christian, read with me, a Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. And all God's people say, Amen.